Happy Autumn, everybody. I knew a girl named Autumn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Mike. Well, that's not today's subject. (laughs) Autumn is not today's subject, even though we're in autumn. I promised I would never discuss it. It's a happy, happy, happy celebration today. You just think it's fall, isn't it? I'm in denial. You, You see what I'm wearing right now? He's still in shorts. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just all of a sudden came upon us. I mean, sure, the leaves are pretty, you know, and they're subtly just cascading down different colors and all of this, and people are in this, you know, pumpkin spice mood. I don't even know what pumpkin spice is. Okay, you're off on the wrong tangent already. Where are you going with this? Leave us a mic to drag a five-minute show into five hours. Where are you going with this? Happy what? It's our 100th episode, so congratulations to us, your Midwest Garden Podcast. Really? Yes, we've hit 100 episodes with this. And I had no idea it's 100. I mean... Oh, yep, 100. Three seasons, 100 shows. Uh, Now, that's that's an accomplishment. I actually didn't think it was going to make it through, you know, the winter or fall or spring of of season one. Season one, right. Yeah. How many downloads did we have this? I mean, that completed everything. Three. Three downloads? Just teasing (laughs) <laughs> you must think that's funny. It just that's, went right over my head. That's, I, that's my wife and my two kids. No. <laughs> no, but speaking of downloads, in order to have 100 episodes, in order to keep us doing this, because we are making no money on this, this is just fun for us. That is. Uh, we need to thank our listeners. You know, you're right. I, I, I was wondering if we were going to be able to do that. We want to thank our listeners. And also, I wanted to do something else, was thank those people that asked us to come out and talk. Now, you know, it, what do we talk about? Scott's like, what do we talk about? Well, yeah. we got shirts, we got cards, I've got pamphlets, I got flyers, I got all those things. I even have a a, a sign that that somebody made that that puts <laughs> somebody named me. Yeah, you did it, and it looks really cool. I mean, I'll stand in front of it off to off to the side, and it's you know your Midwest Garden podcast, beautiful what five colors on it. Um, it basically draws people to it that didn't even listen. They didn't even know. Well, podcast, people have to get used to that 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 new medium. Even though it's been around a while? Well, how long do you think it's a while? I mean, radio's been around since, what's Well, it? I mean, it's the Tesla newest. or from, what, Marconi? Podcasting has been around for a, a long time. I mean, Stephen Jobs, even before Stephen Jobs brought it to the Mac, um, it had been around, but it, it hasn't, like, gone crazy until the past what five years is when five yeah, yeah five uh, six years is when it's gone nuts so yeah and who knew that you know people would want to be interested in you know gardening so and who knew that somebody wanted us to come and talk at their event dig this i mean did you ever think that the uaw would ask us to come thank you over there and talk did you ever think that the cwa the communication workers of america would want us to discuss uh, you know, gardening. And then who would have thought that the Toledo Plant Exchange would ask us to go down there, not necessarily to just talk, but actually answer questions to them. Each one of those, they had unique questions pertaining to their own unique environment. I thought it was really cool. I mean, people were actually quite interested and they asked questions. It was a lineup. So thank you to those groups for inviting us along. Absolutely. But, you know, it was, it was, it was great. It was the, each one of those was a happy occasion. The Communication Workers of America, United Auto Workers, and with the Toledo Plant Exchange. And we've had more where they've wanted to talk, but we not necessarily 
turned them down. It was just a conflict on some of the uh, occasions that they wanted us to talk. So the other people we need to thank for 100 episodes, to thank our guests that have taken, you know, an hour, hour and a half minimum out of their day to chat with us and record with us and all that. So you know, thank you to all our all on-air guests. guests. You know, it's not it's not one particular one. Each one of them had a unique scenario that they wanted to bring to the attention of, of the gardening world. And we didn't know an awful lot about what they were forecasting. And it, it helped us out. I mean, I didn't know a lot of that stuff. And I'm going to say right here, right now, I don't answer everything. I don't know all. I'm, I, I'm very dangerous when it comes down to know a little bit about something uh, and a lot about nothing. But with the assistance of these folks and the guests that we've had on board, ta-da, it worked out wonderful. Thank you. So thank you, everybody. Really appreciate it. Uh, you know, I've said before, people ask how long you're going to do this, and I'll be like, well, when the numbers get stagnant and stuff. But, I mean, this last season was our best season as far as uh, subscriber downloads, show yeah. listens. Um, so we're going to, we're gonna well, we're going to be off air. We're going to be doing some homework, lining up some guests. Personally, I like to talk to them, you know, early January, February for some of our guests because, I mean, they, they just get way too busy in the spring. And they anything new coming out, they already know about it. And, you know. We, we can share that with those of us who do yeah. not know about that. Thank you, everybody, again for three seasons. And uh, here comes number four. And speaking of people that we've had on the show... We've had a nice bit of news come our way from our number one episode. Wait a minute. What was that? Urban farming, the organic beds. Bingo. I mean, it's great information. It was one this of is... our very first shows. And um, who knew it was going to get, yeah. you know, the, well. So we need to, uh, you, you need to pass along to our listeners the uh, news on Thomas Jackson. Well, yeah, Thomas Jackson, the urban farmer. I mean, was he number, was he our very first uh uh, podcast. I will tell you that in a minute. Because basically it was one of these that, that people were interested in. I mean, Thomas Jackson, a little brief history, in the city of Toledo, Ohio, has been trying to establish, because his child was not able to eat the standard vegetables and foods that's over the counter, the doctor recommended he change something. So he took some properties that he owned in the inner city, he converted them into, well, farmland, actually, natural, organic, and he's been growing his own food for it. Noticeably, his daughter has improved tenfold, but success has hit him um, not really easily. I mean, he's been fought. He's been hit hard. I mean, there's been entities out there that were trying to prevent him from going urban and going organic. And for taking condemned sites, having them knocked down, converted to good above-ground farmland where you're not getting the root system into the heavy metal toxic soils. Lead paint. Lead paint, you name it. He has now been recognized by the United States of America, USDA, um, and he is now on the state of Ohio's board through the recommendation of the Secretary of Agriculture during this, this present administration to be on the Farm Service Agency State Committee. Now, that's one hell of a... Uh, a compliment and pat on the back for him, man. I'm one, telling you. One of five positions. Yeah. And so, I mean, for the whole state of Ohio to get within the top five, awesome. The United States federal government is recognizing him, but then there are entities within the city that are trying to knock him down. Now, 
Here goes. People, city of Toledo, you're doing wonders for him right now, but those that are sitting there still nipping at his heels, back off. It looks like he's doing something quite well, and he's moving forward. Thank you, Mr. Jackson. All the power to you, and hopefully we can do another podcast next season with you. Yes, it was our number, very first show. It was the first one. It was our very first show, March 9th, 2020. He did a wonderful job, and he's still working on it diligently, and he's helping to revitalize um, the food sources within the city. It's a food desert in the inner city. He's now opening it up, and he's proving that it can and will be done healthier than what you can get at the other places. So bravo, bud. Congratulations, Thomas. That is awesome news. Keep it up. Keep it up. We also need to talk about some, uh, it's almost like a smorgasbord housekeeping list, but it's, uh, you know, some fall ideas, some fall subjects. You want to use your word, you call the fall tidbits. Now that sounds like a little, it's not a smorgasbord. It sounds like an hors d'oeuvre. <laughs> Which is probably better than a smorgasbord. Oh, no, I like smorgasbords. I mean, you can have a whole bunch of stuff, so I like the idea of going fall smorgasbord. We were, okay, we're moving on. Let's call it a seasonal smorgasbord. It was suggested to uh, talk about rose cones. Now, I, I, okay, they're going to be harder and harder to find. Why do you want a rose cone? Um, To winterize your roses, maybe? Well, there's an old school adage, too, that, you know, before they came up with rose cones or rose collars, that... You were supposed to maybe trim up, shape up, and then cut out the dead cane the following season after you put mulch or leaves or something. And I'm not recommending leaves, but I'm recommending the mulch or even compost at the base to cover the crown because that's the nerve center of the rose bush, mm-hmm. not necessarily those branches. So I'm not concerned, and you shouldn't be concerned about what mom nature is going to do to the top areas as to what it's going to do to what should be at ground level or a little below that. Because... Roses bloom on new growth. Bingo! You did learn something on the three years of this hundred episodes. Okay. Okay. Now, no, so that's good. Yeah, we don't recommend the rose cones themselves. Because they actually can do damage. Because it's too much moisture? No. What is is the reason why we don't like rose cones? When you've got a rose cone, I mean, roses are going to gradually go dormant. All right. Dormant means there's not going to be anything top growth that's going to be growing. You just want to insulate that crown. And that's at at the ground level that we talked about. And that's where the branches come out of. Um, You go about two or three inches of a nice compost or or some type of mulch around the top of that to help to protect that crown. If you want to go ahead and continue to ensure that, you know, it's the winds in the wintertime. They will tolerate sub-zero temperatures. It's that and winds in conjunction that knocks out most everything that's got the stem work. The moisture that is in those um, stems gets evaporated immediately. If you put a rose cone on there and you've got that crown, you're protecting it not only from the wind, but if we have a sunny day and that sun is radiating out of the rose cone and it's, let's say, 20 degrees outside, but inside that rose cone, it's 45 degrees. You're going to get some new budding. Oh, and okay. then the cold comes and it's going to shock that shock plant. Shock that plant. And then it's not going to do well next season. Correct. Because it thought it started already. It's struggling to survive. So yep. cover the crown. Cover now. the crown. So, it, it, so let's just say if we were to plant you out in the landscape, ups, yeah. upside down, 
Yeah. We don't care about your arms and legs. We just want to protect your brain. The brain, the, the, the nerve center. See, if I could grow new arms and legs, that would be the, that's good analogy, Scott. Kind of disgusting, <laughs> but it is. Well, it's Halloween seasons. There's a lot of <sighs> decorations of strange things coming out of the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any other tidbits? Well, yeah. Well, see, now the rose cones for the roses is one thing. You can use a product on something called an anti-desiccant on the rose to, to give a little extra insurance factor on the stems themselves. But I'm more concerned about plants such as azaleas, rhododendrons, even the French hydrangeas. Now, did you know, as we discussed, if people paid attention, French hydrangeas set up their buds for next year on the previous year's growth. Yep. I would recommend that you put something to prevent the evaporation of the bud or the stem onto that plant. Do not on your French on the uh, yeah French hydrangeas. Do not do any trimming, major trimming to that because you're going to take away next year's blossom. On what they call the paniculatas, you can go ahead and give them a haircut. Those are the heavy woody ones, like your your quick fires, your um, oak leaf, limelight, or oak leaf. You can give them a haircut, yeah, and it's like it hurt them. It's the French hydrangeas. What I definitely want you to do also is spray them with a uh, product called either freeze-proof or wilt-proof. Freeze-proof works good on the roses and preventing the evaporation of the moisture that is in the stem as on the rose as well as on the hydrangeas or anything that's going to be fruiting or giving you a flower for the following season. Okay, now on the roses, it's it, this freeze-proof will help to prevent any type of evaporation or from the stem because of the winds and the cold, that will assist in establishing, again, the sapping upward and creating on the old growth, new growth, and develop more blossoms sooner. On your azaleas, your rhododendrons, and your French hydrangeas, I'm going to strongly recommend you spray because they set up their buds this year for next year's growth. Question. Go for it. The spray, it only lasts four weeks. So is this something I need to do several times before, during, and after the frost, and then I can be done with it for the rest of winter? I really don't recommend you do it too soon because I'd want these things. Everything's got to breathe somehow. you got to open up everything to be accessible. What this does is it coats the plant, and it just basically allows for dormancy to stay there. I do recommend, and if you read the label on the back of it, it's going to tell you multiple times. Do not do it when it's freezing or frozen outside because you get a, a side effect or it never allows itself to stay out of the plant. Usually around, eh, say Thanksgiving, usually around the in-between time of Christmas and New Year, and then go out again if you can and if you're willing to, oh, for the most precious of your plants and the flowers, to do it one more time, maybe January, February. It's going to assist in overlapping and ensuring that you do have that anti-desiccant to prevent any of the evaporation later on. It helps a heck of a lot. Um, do not do any type of premature feeding, or you're not feeding, but nutrient, giving nutrients to the plants right away. Because, again, we're going to have a winter thaw. Everything's going to sap upward, and it's going to do more harm than help. Do the freeze-proof or the wilt-proof. You can do that in a thank in, around Thanksgiving between Christmas and New Year's, one more time around Valentine's Day. They say about four times, but again, that's like using shampoo. The more you use, the rinse, do again, rinse, do again, the more you've got to buy later on. No, about three applications should do you. I have one for you. Go. 
you know, we do have, we've had a few nice days here and there and a few ugly ones. And when you come up on a nice day and you want to go for a walk, uh, head out to your local garden center, go take a walk around their yard and check out, you know, observe all the fall foliage on the plants that they have. Can, can we back up a second? Yeah. All right. You said go out and take a walk. Now, I used to think that was just for old people, but now that I'm, I'm just pouring out with my youthful exuberance, um, I'm going outside and I'm noticing the fall colors. And it's not just from the trees. It's from the flowers. It's from the, the leaves of the bushes and shrubs and the landscaping. Now, well, well, I'm talking about going to walk at the yard of the local garden center. Oh, okay. Where you can see the fall color of the plant that you may be interested, attracted to. So then you're right there. You can read the tag, learn all about the plant, the name, and all that stuff. Okay, this is where I wanted to interject. Uh, Yeah. I wanted to say, yeah, you go out and see that. Well, what color, what kind of tree is this? You pick up a leaf or two, Mm. and then you pick up a leaf or two of the bush or shrub. Don't let any of these, you know, let's say um, city parks or municipal parks see you picking up a flower and leaves because they'll tell you to leave it alone, they'll slap your wrist. But take and collect the leaves. Then go to your garden center. There's And then ask, where is this? Where is this? And what is this? And then go from there because this way you can compare and contrast and you learn at the same time. Whereas you can learn if you've got the Metro Park person that that knows what they're talking about, Mm -hmm. telling you what it is. But definitely, definitely, definitely go to the, preferably the Ma Pos Garden Centers. Not necessarily because Scott's wife owns one, but because generally that's their livelihood and they know their products. If you go to the big stores, you'll see things that are pretty, but 90% of the people won't really know what it is that they, they, they carry. So yes, get an idea of what, what, what they have out in the, that you really love, go to the garden center and then browse and, and ask questions. Make sure that these people know what they're talking about. So you notice when you came to the, uh, the studio, the house today, that my pool is all closed up for the winter. Yeah. But your banana trees are kicking ass. Yeah. There's, they're starting to turn color, but well, that, yeah, we talked about that last show. You know, I'm just, uh, I'm watching, I mean, I'm, I'm new to this. So uh, that re- kind of reminded me of those that have um, fish ponds or just ponds for plants in their garden landscape. Um, you know, now's a good time to put a leaf net over that. Um, not necessarily closing it up, but if you put a leaf net, you're going to save decomposition I have a friend Leaf Matter that I've been trying to get on left for, you know, these hundred programs. Messing with your fish. Yeah. Yeah. Well I, I she, did you see what I did there? I finished my sentence while you were still yakking. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm used to it. So I am mean, I. That's I'm, why I'm, I keep I'm, talking. Well, I'm not considered important or <laughs> so people just generally will talk around me. And so I have to I, ever since I was like that, now you're going back into my shall I lay back and tell you my whole life story? No. I'm gonna talk about yes, like you're talking about covering your pools and not only the pool, but the, the ponds. I have a friend that it does this professionally. She takes care of ponds and she's afraid to come onto this because I'm afraid I'm not gonna sound professional. Well, we don't either. But she's doing exactly what you're recommending, Scott. She's, she's been 
saving the plants and preventing this uck and yuck and everything else from coming in by doing exactly what you recommended. And she's been doing this for some time. Does the average homeowner have to do this? I mean, you said it's not closing up the pond, but it is, isn't it? It's not really winterizing because a lot of pond people leave a pump running and air going. This is just more of you have a bunch of debris coming into your pond that's could possibly hurt your fish over the long run. So just throw a net over it. So in essence, when you get the leaves and everything that's coming in, they 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 don't float all the time. They end up getting waterlogged and falling to the bottom. And then they start decomposing and you got it's not good for the fish. You got scum down there. Yeah. Okay, so and it saves and prevents the the excessive amount of scum so you don't have to clean. I get it. It's not like what we're we're recommending for let's say your flower beds to leave leaves and stuff there for the ecosystem to continue doing what it's doing. In the pond, you're basically preventing leaves, acorns, cracked nuts, uh, dirt, everything else from falling into it and just continuously settling even before the freeze then. The leaf debris that gets into your water causes uh, the oxygen to deplete. It doesn't hold as much or what. Yeah, I know, especially if you have fish or anything. And, and the plants basically right. still do the same thing. They take it to the CO2 and they, they give it oxygen. But, see, they're not going to be active. I got it. You don't want any winter kill of your pond fish. I got oh, Wow. I never even thought of that. Okay. Yeah. I, I knew that. Now, now it makes sense. I mean, I thought it was just being tidy. And, no, it helps. It's an ecosystem. And it, it, it allows the fish to have the oxygen, the water to be fully oxygenated, while they're going dormant. Yeah. But if you've got all that junk in there, it depletes the water of oxygen. I just got a B plus on that. All right. Thanks, Scott. <laughs> You're assigning yourself your own Absolutely. grades. Absolutely. I like that. <laughs> uh, also right now is a good time to do uh, soil testing. Yeah. Before you get into heavy gardening for next year or doing whatever you're trying to do. now. Well, well plus you know what you're vegetables or your flowers have depleted over the past few months. So now you've got a good representation of what you really need to throw back in during the season. Now we had a very, was it this year? Yeah. A, a plus for Scott. Oh shoot. Okay. I got a 3.7. <laughs> He's got the 4.0. Um, anyway, go ahead. Tell us. We had, that. we had uh, the, the soil test people, um, on and helping to explain. Now they look they they look for heavy metals. They look for the the lack of nutrients, and how one should basically reinstitute the soils or the medium. I mean, with Todd Crail, the person from the University of Toledo um, Department of Natural Resources, says there's a vast difference between soil and dirt. And through the soils that we've got that you're going to have tested, it's going to tell you basically what you need to have in order to have a, a very fruitful, whether it's a vegetable garden or whether it's a flower garden, you're going to get a good byproduct from it. Now, how do you do that, Scott? Well, our guest from two seasons ago, I think it is, Christina from Soil Kit. Oh, yeah. She, she, was, she the, was really good. When you're troubleshooting something. So if a friend comes over and says, my computer doesn't work, what's the first thing I do? Is it plugged in? <laughs> 
or a TV or something, you know, something that doesn't have a battery. Is it plugged in? Let's start there. Well, what is being and plugged in? You never know. Something that's come loose from travel. So in gardening wise, what's the first thing you need to check? For? Is it plugged in? Is your soil ah. plugged in? Is your soil up to speed and ready to take on, you know, if, if you're going to put a thousand pound piece of furniture you know, in your bedroom, you make sure that you, structurally your house can handle a thousand pound piece of furniture there. Good analogy. So why are you not checking your soil? Soil is number one. I don't, I don't, this is what I've learned in three years. Soil is number one. This is where you get all your nutrients. It's, and, and it's a repetitive thing. So yeah, go, you know, if, if you're going to put this much money into trying to redo your lawn section or something, why not spend, you know, 30 bucks or so and and get your soil tested and get it going correctly from the start? It helps eliminate the frustration right away, too. So visit our friends at uh, soilkit.com. Christina and, uh, and company the Warner family that- can uh, take care of you. It's really easy to do. Show you how to do it, too. You know, you scoop up some dirt, you go on computer, put it online, and then you send the dirt in and... Within 48 hours of them receiving it, you get your uh, your plain English layman's terms analysis. Then basically, well, what you're gonna yeah. well, I know, yeah. but we've sent them to you know places out in Maryland. We've sent them a number of places, but they give you five five pages of you know really technical BS. And I don't mean to say it negatively, but if if it's our tax dollar that's paying for this, I'd like to understand what in the hell I'm uh, I'm needing to put down. I mean, if you're supposed to put, this is telling you, yeah, you're lacking nitrogen, yeah, you're lacking phosphorus, yeah, you need to your 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 bacteria levels are a little high, a little low, that sort of thing. They basically take you by the hand and say, here, do this, and it seems to be working, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. All right, yep. cool. You well, know, Christina, thank you. Absolutely, another previous guest to thank. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I did something for the very first time gardening the other day, <laughs> and it's so basic 101. You ate your own vegetables. No, I I help plant spring bulbs. What? Really? Yeah. At my which do- end goes at, up? At my daughter's house. I know which end goes up. Okay. All right. I'm just some people don't. That's do the you, pointy end. Do you, you? Thank you. That's right. A lot of people, if you have any questions on it, just lay it on its side. The part that's supposed to come up. Is going to come up up. anyways, and the part that's supposed to go down is going to go down anyway. So, so, uh, and you can throw a little bone meal down there if you like. Well, now, what does the bone meal do? I have no idea. I just Here's where you're going to get a little education there. See, bone meal, a lot of people are starting to backtrack from it because it draws, you know, a couple of little critters in there that want to dig, and you don't find any bulbs anymore there. Nothing's coming up the following season because, let's just say, it's it's organic. It's, It's basically bone. It's phosphorus. What the phosphorus is there, it takes about six months for that to break down, but then it works its way into the system of the bulb, and it produces a more vibrant, larger, and more quantitative, oh, that's not even a word, is it? A lot more flour. So the bone meal is a natural phosphorus that takes a while to break down, but it works its way slowly into the system of the plant to ensure flour. Now, Spoma makes bulb tone. and that. And that has some bone meal in it, but what else does it it's have? It's got an anti-fungicide. I mean, a fungus, it's, it's got a fungicide in it. It's an inoculant that's to help prevent any type of uh, 
oh, let's say mold or bacteria from occurring in there to prevent the, to to have. Let's say we have a wet season. Mm-hmm. Um, before they're able to go dormant, mold, bacteria, bacillus can come in and start to eat up the bulb. Well, that protects the bulb. It basically inoculates it. Very good. Excellent. Thank you. I didn't know that part. I d- well, if you were to read we, the we, label. We, I know. <laughs> well, you know. He's, he's new to this. He's only three years the expert. Well, you know. Why did I turn a, my a head brand to new, look at somebody else? A brand new grandson doesn't give us a whole lot of time to uh, garden. But you know what? You learn this now. Your grandson will thank you tenfold later on. And I just uh, I just noticed I was looking that up after we were talking about roses and you were talking about placing like six to ten inches of uh, a mulch over each plant. Um, I just found something that said topsoil actually works best if you're willing to scrape it away in time. It gets heavy. <laughs> okay, I I, yeah. I I knew there was a point counterpoint to this, oh, I, <laughs> and you nailed it without even looking at me. Oh. Well, I was looking at the, the non-guy next to me <laughs> that I keep t- answering questions to. You have some other ideas here for the end-of-season yeah, wrap-up? we did the garden centers. We did garden pools. We did soil testing. I wanted to bring something up, but you keep shaking your head. No, 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 no. I wanted to do the tropical plants that you have outside in your tropical garden with your bananas that you're going to be bringing indoors. Now, I don't bring mine indoors. They're all in the ground. But you have the advantage of taking them elsewhere, too, where the oh, standard the, homeowner well, is All able. that potted stuff? Yeah. Yeah. The container stuff that a lot of people want to save for next year. Yeah, my brother-in-law, Johnny, just came by two days ago and took all that stuff. Yeah, back not everybody has a brother-in-law that owns a garden center. center that can go ahead and hide your it's plants a nice warm greenhouse. So what are you going to do? If you didn't have that, what would Scott Sandstrom do? I wouldn't put them out there. Oh, smart ass. I would, I would just right. do the ones in the ground, dude. I'm looking at the guy that's not next to me going, this guy's crazy. Um, what would you do, Mike? I mean, I'm going to bring him indoors. It's like you're decorating outside with them to give you the ambiance. For instance, your entire your backyard was nothing but a tropical paradise over the summer. And it isn't because of you had pretty flowers that were there, but you had the proper plants that were out there. I mean, let's put it this way. you got banana trees that are out there that are kicking ass right now. You've got also, you had jade plants. You had um, wandering Jews. You had all sorts. You had palm trees. So, and I will tell you something about this. I had an agave plant. I still, I, you still I, have it. Yeah. yeah, it has gotten... I mean, they're very, very slow growing, but me being tequila guys, fun to watch. <laughs> slow. <laughs> um, but okay, it, we're going to talk about the it, late it, 60s, it, early 70s later. It has, but. it has doubled in size. Oh, well. So, you know, it's, that's fun to watch. It's the, a beautiful plant, too. So if we're talking houseplants. Well, a houseplant is a because, tropical plant. Yeah, these are coming in. Yeah. So, yes, we have the advantage of taking our uh, the gr- greenhouse. We have a gorgeous fern and a hanging basket wandering Jew. We don't do anything but blooming stuff and water. When we take these wandering Jews back to the garden center, they are, you know, four or five foot long. They're (laughs) absolutely gorgeous. And more and more people were like, I want to buy that. Because of what you're doing. And it's just like, okay, we'll sell it to you. We'll get a new one and start the process over. But they are 
I don't know what we're not doing anything really with them. You leave them alone. Yeah. You basically leave it, them alone and let nature take its own course he, on He's that. in the shade, but he gets indirect sunlight, you know. They love the heat. They love the humidity. It must be all the Jamaican reggae Careful. pool music. Okay, yeah. It's the pool music. It's the music that makes them grow big. Okay. Now, that's, that's part of That's what I'm going to say. You're going to say it all true to it. You've never had any tequila sunrises or anything like that. To well, assist the, in making it look a little bit better. <laughs> the reason well, I'm the bringing the plants this, haven't had any. No, no. Well, we're talking about the homeowner. Oh, okay. Um, but again, I mean, now since you're not the standard homeowner, somebody wants to bring them indoors. Right. What is the first thing you've been doing this for three years that I'm going to recommend? I'm going to go off my head and one note. <laughs> so the note is: by now, you're going to have to stop and or reduce the amount of fertilization. Because we talked about that. What was that? It was the um, the show about, I think it was, was it poinsettias or was Christmas or was cactus. Christmas cactus show. Thank you. Talked about, yeah, how to do those. And so reducing fertilization was one of them. Mm -hmm. The other one is depending on how cold it is in your neck of the woods, wait and then bring them in kind of last minute. But you need to, yes, put a systemic in there. And some people were even talking about cinnamon on top of the soil, but I think we talked about that before. You can try, yeah, cinnamon but, is a natural insecticide, but, you know, sometimes it works. Sometimes the insects like the cinnamon. They add a little need, sugar to it. But you should take care of the insects before you bring the plants in. Yeah, because you're going to be bringing in a lot of stuff. I mean, you're going to be bringing in gnats. You're going to bring in stink bugs. You're going to bring in beetles. There's out there right now is a major, major pain in the butt, and it's called the blister beetle that looks like it's, you know, uh, just a standard beetle with a long ass on it. But when you touch it, it secretes a poison, and it, knocks, it, it basically burns you. Bringing your plants in is, like Scott said, making sure that, you know, we are done. Let them go through a little bit of a shock. I mean, you know, with the cold, because it does get cold. You'll see a frost every once in a while in the tropics. Um, but when we have a steady temperature decline, at nighttime temperatures go, I'll say they're in their 40s, then I'd start to bring them in. But make sure that you use either a systemic insecticide and leave them stay outside for a day or two, or you use the natural insecticides like pyrethrins that have the natural insect or fungicides in it also. I mean, spinosad is one of the natural insecticides. So too is a pyrethrin. Just read the label and see what's on there. Preferably the systemics, one tablespoon for every six inches diameter of the pot. You got a 24 inch pot. You're going to go four tablespoons sprinkled around, watered in, leave it there for, you know, two or three days and then bring them indoors. So let's wrap up this 100th episode party celebration. Well, for the rest of the season, Scott, what are you going to say? I'm going to say see you later. If there's something that's really cool and important that comes up, we'll be sure to bring it to your attention this season. But for right now, we've got how many podcasts they can pop on just in case they want to listen to them? A hundred. One hundred podcasts. I'm so, so ecstatic. Well, 99 others if they listen to this part and we're at the end. They, they, they will. They will. Everybody, thank you so much for uh, downloading this and checking it out. And yeah, you're making us enjoying important. us for the uh, our talks, our rambling, our brotherly love. Oh. Our okay. Well, uh, yeah, I'm pretty secure with that. Um, 
<laughs> in the meantime, why don't we just say see you later, guys? We appreciated everything that you uh, have given us and forced us to at least, you know, bring to your attention. Like, well, um, we're hoping we can do a lot more of it next season. Yeah, we'll see you early spring. I'm sure one of the first things we'll talk about is how my banana trees survived or did not survive the winter. Now, we'll we're going to talk about the gifts that you got from those holiday seasons, like the poinsettias and the cactuses. Yeah, we'll talk about those next season, too. All right, everybody, have a great winter break. And a jolly holly, whatever it is. We'll talk to you. Thanks for listening to your Midwest Garden. If you like today's conversation, please share this podcast with friends and family. And don't forget to click on the subscribe button so you won't miss any future episodes. Plus, if you have any show topics you'd like us to discuss, head on over to our sponsor's Facebook page, which is Black Diamond Garden Center, and message them your topic idea. For all of us at your Midwest Garden Podcast, I'm Michael Rourke, the Garden Guy. Hope you enjoyed today's conversation.